Father, we just thank you again for uh, the reason that we meet on this particular day. And Lord, it is a mixture of, of emotions as to how we feel. There's worship in our heart that you so loved us, you sent our son. There's sadness in our heart that Jesus, your son, had to suffer such pain and anguish. Yet there's delight in our heart that he suffered it for our sins and our transgressions and provided a wonderful salvation. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you willingly laid down your life. No one took it from you, but you gave it. Lord, in the midst, in the mix of all of these feelings and emotions and praise and worship and surrender before you, Lord, we just say thank you that you so loved us, that you provided such a wonderful salvation. Lord, help us as we come to your word to to try and understand it. Lord, speak into our hearts and lives. We all, Lord, have needs and have further to go on the, on, on the journey and in our relationship with you. Father, we pray that in this service you would draw near to us. Lord, as we seek to draw near to you, acknowledging our own unworthiness and often the unwillingness of our heart. But Lord, as we just be still in your presence, drawn aside from everything else that's happening in life, Lord, in these moments, will you please meet with us? And Lord, we pray that you will be glorified. Your name will be lifted up. The power of the enemy defeated. And Lord, we will know you've ministered to us. We thank you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you want to turn up in your Bible to Mark 15, we're going to take time to read a little section there about uh, just the death of Christ. And I thought we would take time and, and just um, read that and, and ponder it. Uh, I am going to look at, at a couple of verses on Isaiah 53, but I think it's important just to take time on this day just to read through what actually happened to the Lord Jesus. So Mark chapter 15, and we'll take time to read um, a, a number of those verses. I did mention earlier a couple of little brochures I brought. They're sitting on the front seat. Please pick them up. And also the notice sheet is there and there's weddings and everything mentioned on that for Easter Monday. And we trust that that goes really well. So do take that with you and remember these things in prayer. But let's just forget about all those things and just think about this as we read uh, Mark chapter 15 beginning at verse It says, immediately in the morning, the chief priests held a a consultation with the elders, scribes, and the whole council, and they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, it is as you say. And when the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, 
Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. But Jesus still answered nothing. So that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast it was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them. Whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. Because they had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude crying aloud began to ask him to do just as he's always done for them. But Pilate answered them saying. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd. So that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again. What do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them. And he delivered Jesus after he had been after he had scourged him to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole garrison. And they clothed him with purple. And they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him. And bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to be crucified. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by, to bear his cross. And they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments Casting lost lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above the king of the Jews. With him they also crucified two robbers, one on his right hand and the other on his left, so that the scripture was fulfilled, which says, He was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking among themselves with the scribes, said, He saved others. 
Himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthanat, which is translated, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, Look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from afar. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the less, and Joseph and Salome who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Amen, and may the Lord bless to us the reading of his word and the account of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Amen, may the Lord bless the reading of his word to us. Now that's quite a long reading, but I felt it was important that we just paused and, and read it through thoughtfully and, and just pondered what actually happened. We could read it from the other gospel writers as well, and there's other parts that we could, we could fill in and, and, and look at. But I just wanted to, to read this and just think about it and think about what, what happened here. And what took place? When you read that, for me anyway, you, you're inclined to think, why? Why? Why did this have to happen to such a good man? Why? Why? And if you took time to read through the Gospels and see the things that Jesus did, all the miracles that are recorded for us, what kind of person that he was, I think the only reference that Jesus ever makes to himself and the kind of person he is, you know, when he says in Matthew, come to me for I am meek and lowly. He was a humble man. Yet when you read through the Gospels and see what he did, he went around teaching amazing truths with authority. So much so that the crowds were, were surprised at the authority he had. He went around healing people. 
He went around doing good and providing for people. He went around weeping with people in their sorrow and in their need, and he was meeting needs. He went around raising people from the dead. He calmed the storms. He fed the multitude. And then you read that it, that it comes to this. And you say, why? Why? But then when you read Isaiah 53, and there are other places that you could read, and, and you read verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every man to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And you find yourself saying, yeah, that's why he did it. He did it for me. He did it for you. He didn't need to do it for himself. And really on Palm Sunday when he rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, he was really forcing, if you like, the hand of the Pharisees and scribes and so on. They didn't want to put him to death at that point. They wanted rid of him. But that was the Passover. That was when the lamb was slain. That was the time for the lamb of God to be slain. And no one took his life from him. He laid it down himself. And he took all of that. To pay the price of sin. Your sin. And mine. And we're justified perfectly uh, justified to, to look at, at Isaiah 53 and think about Jesus. You remember the account in Acts chapter 8 where the Ethiopian is, is going home in his chariot and he's reading through Isaiah 53 and he's reading this out loud and Philip the evangelist comes alongside and he hears him reading it. And the Ethiopian is reading this and saying, well, who's, who's this guy Isaiah writing about? Is he talking about himself? Is he talking about another? Basically, we would say, if somebody comes and says, well, what's this guy Isaiah on about? And Philip the evangelist says, says in the scriptures, and he preached to him, Jesus. He preached to him from Isaiah 53, Jesus. Now, I have two or three points to bring to this. Let's just think about this. First, the picture of his sufferings. The prophet Isaiah graphically pictures this for us, Christ's sufferings. Remember, this is roughly 700 years or so uh, before the time of Christ, before crucifixion is ever invented, before it has ever come into play, before they're ever thinking about it. And we have this vividly pictured for us, the sufferings of Christ. Now I know that all of Christ's sufferings were from the hands of cruel men. But it's also true to say that Christ's sufferings were from the hand of God. Because it says there in verse 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. So you've got this dual kind of thing going on here. It was men that carried it out, but it was the Lord that sent him to it. 
So I want to think of the suffering that Christ received first of all from people if I can divide it like that. And oh my, you know as well as I do, people can be cruel. People can be cruel. Young people can be cruel at school. Pick on somebody. You're not good or not fit for my company so they leave you alone. It can be cruel, can be cruel as a teenager and peer pressure. Can be cruel when you get a bit older. Can be cruel whenever you're older. People can be cruel. And look what happens here to Jesus. It says that he is despised. Verse 3. He is despised. It means he's held as a vile person. He's scorned or shunned. And it says it there twice about him being despised. And he's despised and we esteemed him not. He's disdained. He's, you know, it's just, just put him off to the side. He's just dismissed. They don't want him. He's rejected. Just means he's the object of their scorn. He's just left deaf, destitute in a corner. He's left alone. He's like someone I don't want in my company. He's somebody who's not in my circle. He's someone I just don't want to talk to. He's someone I don't want to associate with. He's not my type of person. He's despised. He's rejected. He's looked down upon. We don't want him. It says all we like sheep have, you know, we've turned everyone to his own way. We've just left him there. We've gone our own way, done our own thing. And it's, it's quoted from, from Psalm 118. The stone which the builders rejected. The builders there, that, that actually comes up quite a few times in scriptures. But the builders there are like the Jewish leaders. They don't want him. They don't want him in their circle. They don't want to learn from him. They don't want to follow him. They reject him. The Roman authorities, they don't want him. Well, the builders, anyone who's building their own kingdom will not want Jesus. That's just the bottom line. For building my own kingdom, doing my own thing, I won't want Jesus. So the builders don't want him. Verse 2, we're kind of working our way backwards here, but verse 2, it just says to the, to, you know, to the human eye, he has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Do you know, the crowds followed him while he was here on earth, while he could give them something. Even Jesus knew that. You can read it, John chapter 6 and so on. About the bread of life. You know, you come to me not because of what I'm saying, but because of what you can get. So they're still coming for themselves. Even on Palm Sunday when there's the crowds and he rides in. And they're all shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now, son of David. Maybe even the disciples. I think the disciples are probably thinking, oh, finally, finally he's going to go in here as the Messiah we thought was coming. Oh, yes, we're getting to it now. 
He's going to throw the Romans out. He's going to overthrow the religious leaders. He's going to set up his kingdom. Oh, can we sit in your right hand and your left hand? Oh, oh, oh. you know, give us a place. And whenever he rides in in the donkey, he gets off and he goes into the temple and has a look. And he said, ah, oh, you have made my father's house a den of thieves. And he heads off. And there's no big overthrow. Five days later, the crowd shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! Ha! He's not the the Messiah we thought. He's not bringing what we thought. Nah, it's not what we had imagined. It's not the kingdom we thought we were building. And he's despised and rejected. Left in the corner, as it were. There's nothing in him that we can see that we want. They turned their faces away. There's no beauty in him. And they just left him. They just left him. Friends, the human race and human nature is just exactly the same. It never changes. It just never changes. Why does it not change? Because it's dead in sin. And dead in sin a hundred years ago is the same as dead in sin now. We may just think we're a little more sophisticated, but we're not really. We're just equally dead in sin, equally rebellious, equally don't want Jesus, equally lost. Just, it's just the same. You won't have to go far from here to find people today who think, You're, you've just lost a plot going to church on a nice day like this. You don't know, it's a bank holiday. Go to the beach. It's your problem. Have you not heard that stuff before? It's just the same. We're just building what we want to build. We don't want them. People will laugh and people will mock and people will scorn. People reject it. It's just nothing. Nothing. We don't want them. Maybe someone say, oh, well, maybe he's okay. Maybe he was a prophet. Maybe he was one of the religious leaders. Oh, well, yeah, Christianity's one of the world religions. Well, that's fine. But it's not for me. It says in, in the third verse, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He knows, he feels, he sensed. The grief, not because of his own personality, you know, not because of his own makeup or doing, but he took ours, our griefs, our sorrows, as if they were his own. And verse 3 tells us that a little bit more there that we hid our faces from him. We just found him so repulsive, we just didn't bother. And then we have at the end, and we esteemed him not. Now, esteemed is always a word that's kind of always interested me. I sort of like it in some sense. It's an accounting word. It's a reckoning up in, in value. We do this kind of thing all the time. Ladies do it. Men do it. We all do it. We esteem things and their value all the time. So if you men are going to buy a car, the question you ask is, 
I don't know if it's worth that kind of money. You esteemed its value. You ladies go to the shop and you're buying some bit of new cloth and you go, ooh. And you try it on and do all the stuff. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe wives never ask what it's worth. They say, oh, I'll pay it anyway. I don't know. But you, you, you weigh it up. Is it what I want? Is it worth what they're asking? You esteem its value. And what Isaiah's writing here is this. We've looked at this suffering servant. We've looked at Jesus. We've weighed up his value. Well, this is what he teaches and this is what he did and this is how it is. And well, look at the church now. And we wear up and we come to a conclusion. You know what Luther said 500 years ago? He just expresses it well. We esteemed him at nothing. Our value was nothing. Human nature hasn't changed. We looked at Jesus and we valued him as worth nothing to me. Nothing to offer me. Nothing to do for me. I'm a builder. I'm building this. I'm a self-made person. It's got nothing for me. Weighed up his value. I just left it there. I'll just leave him there. His virgin birth is nothing. His perfect life is nothing. His authoritative teaching is nothing. His name is nothing. It's a swear word. Friends, we're happy in our country to use Jesus' name as a swear word. All of his names is a swear word. Lord or Jesus or Christ. Or blood. Or hell. But we don't take the other supposedly religious leaders' names the same. Some are afraid to. Others we wouldn't. But Jesus is nothing. It's a name in the street, in the dirt. The Bible, another book. His death, a mistake or a pity or a thing gone wrong. An accident, a failure. <laughs> His return. Well, that's a joke. You guys have been preaching about that for years. We need to save the planet. We've only got 10 years to do it. Or it's a goner. I'm not against looking after it and not putting plastic in the sea and all that stuff. I don't like that. But a little news for you. While the earth remains, springtime, winter, hot and cold, seed time harvest. A little more news. One of these days the Lord's coming and it's going to burn up. I don't know what you call it, climate change, you call it whatever you want. It's a change in climate, sure. Coming up. In the Lord's hand. People don't care. People don't care. Oh, he suffers at the hands of men. Jesus Christ, God's Son, came into the world to save sinners. A 
and we look at it and value it at zero. Worth nothing. That's the culture we live in. It's the culture we serve in. Sufferings at the hand of men, rejected. What about you? What does Jesus mean to you? Oh, you know, I wouldn't go as far as that now, Alistair. I think that was a bit extreme, you know, what you're saying there. Oh, is is, is Jesus your savior then? Well, no, no, that's a bit extreme as well. No, I haven't just gone that far either. So you think you're going to sort of sit in the fence here somewhere? No, there's no fence sitting. We've either said, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. And we trust him. Or we're saying, no, no, not for me. I'm building my own life at the moment. I'm doing my own thing. I've got my own career. I've got my own direction. Well, I think it's like this. Well, okay, you're a builder then. And he's always rejected by the builders. Friends, stop the building. Follow the Savior. Become a living stone in his structure. Ah, don't reject him any longer. Good Friday, the day he died. I can't urge you enough to take him as your Savior, young or old. Make sure you know Jesus. The sufferings that Jesus received from the Father. Now I know he received them all from the hands of people. And yet in another sense he received them all from the Father. Because it pleased the Father to bruise him. Says in verse 10. That's why God called his son. That's why Jesus ever came. He came to pay the price of sin. Listen the wages of sin. The punishment for sin is death. Separation from God for all of eternity. But what did Christ come to do? He come to pay the price. And if you're going to pay the price, you're going to pay the penalty, you're going to pay the fine. If you get a speeding fine, you know, it's three points or it's 80 quid. Or it's 100 quid. To pay the price. If I said, oh, I'm really sorry that you get caught speeding. Actually, I'll, I'll pay it for you. Just as a little token. And I go down to the court and say, I'm here to pay the, you know, for Richard. I'm here to pay it for Richard. Uh, I'll give you 50 quid. They say, you're very kind. But no. It's 100 quid. Nah, but your 50 will do you. No. If I'm going to pay it and I'm going to pay it all, I have to pay 100 The wages for sin, for your sin, my sin, is death. If Christ is going to pay it, he has to die. And what does Isaiah 53, 5 say? He was wounded. The word wounded there means to pierce fatally. To put to death. He is bruised. What does bruise mean? Crushing agonies ending in death to break in pieces and die. 
Chastisement, what's chastisement? It's the punishment necessary to secure or restore. If it's a hundred quid, it's a hundred quid. If it's death, it's death. They paid the punishment. And by his stripes, stripes are blows inflicted. Experienced lacerations. And he was more marred than any man. He paid the price. He paid it in full. He died on the cross. And Isaiah 53 gives us a clear picture of the sufferings of Christ. You can read Matthew 26. He's scourged or flogged. The crown of thorns struck on the head. Crucified and nailed to a cross. You find yourself asking why. Why? Why did God let it happen? Why did Jesus surrender? Said to the disciples, I could have called 10,000 angels. The song says, but he died alone. He didn't need Peter with his sword. So when they said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am. They fell backwards. He willingly died. Why? Well, Isaiah 53 points out the purpose, not just the picture of his sufferings, the purpose of his sufferings. He was wounded for our transgressions. Hmm. We don't use transgressions all that often. But the word means this. The willfulness, the willingness, the rebelliousness, the deliberate, knowingly breaking of God's law. Transgression. We went over the line. We broke Christ's law. We fell short of the mark. We sinned. We sinned. We transgressed. The standard that God has set is perfection and we've come short. We've sinned. And the wages for sin is death. But Christ died for our sins. For our willful, knowing, breaking of God's law. For all have sinned. There's none righteous, no, not one. We've all broken the law. Well, you say, well, what laws? Well, you can look at Exodus 20, if that's what you want to look at, the Ten Commandments. Do not steal. Has anybody not stolen something? Do not bear false witness. Is there anybody that's not told a lie? You don't have to tell kids to you know, teach them how to lie like comes. Who broke that? Well, it wasn't me. Have you done your homework? Oh, yes. No, I, I, I've done that lie a good few times when I was a little fella. I'm not proud of that, but I did. Who, who, who hasn't told it? One lie. You're not perfect. You've missed the mark. The punishment is this. 
Boy, oh, but I don't live under the law, you know. Well, fine for you then. Jesus summed it up like this. First commandment. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Oh, you know what? I do good works. Yeah, and your neighbor is yourself. Have you got to there? Because you're way ahead of me if you've got to there. Not come short. We come short. All have sinned. Oh, well, I don't know. Okay. Well, have a little this is your life then. I'll just, you know, if we could just play a little, you know, DVD here on the wall. Your life and mine. How many of us want to stay for the viewing? I'm going. We've all sinned. And we know it. And you reap what you sow. Our transgressions, but Christ died for our transgressions. Iniquities. It's an interesting kind of a word. It just reflects the bentness or the twistedness or the pervertedness or the crookedness of our life. Why do we sin? Nobody had to teach you. You mothers have spent a lifetime trying to teach your kids to do right. Don't do that. Don't say that. Tell me the truth. Sit on the naughty step or whatever you do. (laughs) Why? Because there's some little twistedness in there. Oh, I know you've all said when a new baby comes, oh, it's so lovely. Looks like the father. Oh, yeah, more ways than you think. Oh, looks like the mother. Oh, more ways than you think. The twistedness. We're born in sin. We've a bent to do it. It's going to happen. Ah, but Christ died. He's bruised. He's put to death for our iniquities. To deal with our bentness and twistedness. And put a new desire in our heart. Some of you could stand up and testify to that. Yes, Christ has died for my sins and he's wiped the slate clean. And I'm a different person now than I was. I no longer want to do those things. But I'm not perfect and I do, but I do want to do them. Well, where did that change come from? Christ died for our transgressions and Christ died for our iniquities. And friends, we're a new creature in Christ Jesus and old things passed away. And Peter says we receive a new divine nature. We're new people. We'll be perfect when we get to heaven. You don't recognize me then. Hmm? Perfect. But there's a change that's taking place now. I hardly recognize myself as it is now from then. Christ died, yes, to deal with the sins we've committed, but to deal with our sinful nature and the thing that makes us do it and to turn us right around. You know, Wesley's hymn, he breaks the power of cancelled sin and sets the prisoner free. Listen, cancelled sin. 
He died for our transgressions. And he breaks the power of cancelled sin. He died for our iniquities. He turns us around. We're new creatures in Christ. Oh, for our peace. Yeah. The punishment necessary for our peace. For shalom. Peace is, you know, it's a great word in the scriptures. But it means to be whole or complete. Our rounded wholeness, Alec Mateer says in his commentary. Listen, the suffering servant of Isaiah, the Lord Jesus. He suffered the punishment necessary to secure our peace and wholeness and completeness. To secure our peace with God. My, that, that, that alone should humble us today. Friends, our world is full of religious people seeking peace with some kind of imagined deity or God. Paying, praying, fasting, going, saying, doing. Go to the heart of Africa or South America or India. And there was some filthy idol somewhere. They're making sacrifices. Or there'll be a fear of some God that'll not send rain or take their children. Jesus Christ. God's son came into the world to save sinners. And he took your sin and mine upon himself and he paid the price for our acts of sin. And he paid the price to deal with our sinful heart that we might be different. And he took the punishment necessary that we might be at peace with God and God at peace with us. Reconciled. Nothing held between us. Nothing separating us. Nothing to do. And we know peace with God. And we can know the peace of God. Romans 5 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have to bring sacrifices. It's finished. For our healing, by his stripes we're healed. Healed means to mend or to cure or to make whole or the healing of the person, restoring of fullness, completeness. completeness. Someone said that he came apart that we might be put together. Friends, Jesus Christ can come into your life and mine and put the pieces together. The broken pieces Put it together and bring healing and make us complete and bring wholeness and peace. And the word that's used there for for our stripes or lacerations, the picture behind it is wounds that are still open that are pouring effectual healing. Friends, Jesus is a perfect saviour. 
bringing a perfect salvation, has made a perfect sacrifice, has paid it in full. There's forgiveness, reconciliation, and peace with God, and the peace of God ruling in your heart. There's no other religion in the world will do this. Every other religion in the world says do something. I don't care. Pick anyone. Pick them all. And you'll have to do something. Or get somewhere. But Jesus says it's done. That's uniqueness of Christ. And not only does he just do it. But he does it in you. He works it in you. He brings a change. Brings peace. Yeah, go if you want. 100%. He brings peace. Real peace. Full peace. We have a world of people who are not at peace. They're not at peace because of their past. They're not at peace because of the future. They're not at peace because of the present. They're just not at peace. But Jesus has come that we might be at peace. Amen. At peace. peace your past things you've done things others may have done you can open up your heart to know the peace of God know what dealt with he can heal it it's painful but if you open your heart he can deal with it bring forgiveness cleansing put us together Bring salvation. Peace, peace about the past. Peace about the future. That's settled when Jesus comes or should I die. Absent from the body present with the Lord. And peace in the present. A peace which passes all understanding. That will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's a man outside that door if somebody wants to step out there and see him. He looks like he's got an Amazon box to deliver to somebody. <laughs> Could somebody step outside and see what he's looking for? That'll maybe bring peace to him. He <laughs> <laughs> brings salvation. Anyway, we better, we better finish. Where, where are you at in this, this whole thing? Have you trusted Jesus for yourself? If not, why not today? And maybe you have trusted Jesus for yourself, but there's stuff that's not right. There's rooms that are not open. There's areas that are not touched by Christ. Unlock the door. Let him deal with your whole life. He paid the price 
to make you whole. That's God's salvation. Now, if I could lift you across the line, I would do it. But when I get to this point in preaching, I, I feel my weakness now. Well, I should always feel it, but you know what I'm saying? This is as far as I can go. All I can say is, look, there's an issue. Do you want to chat to Richard? Do you want to chat to me? We can't help you, but we can point you to Jesus. You're a lady, chapter Rose or somebody that you know. And let's just open our heart to the Lord and know him as our Savior. He brings a perfect salvation. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you tonight again for the gospel. And we thank you that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. Jesus was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment necessary for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Father, I thank you that you provided a perfect salvation to deal with every sin, past, present, and future. To deal, Lord, with the depths of sin within our hearts. To make us new creatures in Christ bringing a new nature, giving us new peace and new hope and new joy. Oh, Lord, I pray. If there's any tonight that don't know that, that will trust you. And those, Lord, that have hurts and troubles, that they would open them up to you and just allow you to bring cleansing and healing and recovery and set us rejoicing on the road. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for such a wonderful salvation. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.